Isn't that crazy what God is doing? It's so good. He will build this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Well, happy Mother's Day. I want to thank and honor every single mom. I want you to know that you're loved. We, we applaud you. We honor you. Uh, and uh, I, for some of us, today might be difficult because maybe last year looked completely different. We all know that circumstances change. Life goes on. And so if today's a difficult one, we want you to know you're in our thoughts and our prayers. And we love you too. And we're praying for you. And I pray that you'll find strength in Christ today. Next week, we're kicking off a series called Imaginea. I'm so worked up about this series. It is absolutely amazing how this whole thing's come together. But we are having a, we're not having Vision Sunday. We're having Vision Month. Why have Vision Sunday? We can have a whole month of vision, a whole month. The Bible says, due to lack of vision, people perish. And so uh, we just said, you know what? Let's have one month. Let's have one month of seeing what God has for us in Jesus. And I want to read from Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Just 10, 10 scriptures, and then we'll pray and get right into it. It says, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it upon the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river banks when the princess saw the baskets among the reeds she sent her maid to get it for her when the princess opened it she saw the baby the little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him this must be one of the hebrew children she said verse 7 the baby sister approached the princess should i go and find one of the hebrew women to nurse the baby for you she asked Verse 8, yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Verse 9, take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses. For she explained, I lifted him out of the water. I lifted him out of the water. Father, I pray this morning that you would lift us up into a new place. Lord, as we get into the scripture and as we look at the text, as we examine what you have for us, that this would not just be, a, I'm, I'm in church because my mother invited me. I'm in church because I just want to honor my mother. I'm in church because we got lunch plans. No, this would be a God moment that we would be lifted up to a place, to a new place, to a new dimension. And Lord, I declare your blessing. I declare your peace over each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Sam. Amen. If you can put some more lights in here, I want to see some beautiful faces if that's okay. The other day I read a story, and it's a story of Kuros, an ancient Greek statue that came on the art market and was about to be purchased by Getty Museum in California. It was a preserved well 
close to seven feet tall, and the asking price was just under $10 million. The Getty did all the normal background checks to establish the authenticity of the piece. A geologist determined that the marble came from the ancient island of Tassos. That sounds exotic. <laughs> it was covered, when in doubt, just say Thassos. <laughs> it was covered with a thin layer of calcite, a substance that accumulates on statues over thousands of years. After 14 months of investigation, the Getty staff concluded the thing was genuine and went ahead with the purchase for $10 million. But an art historian named Federico Zeri was taken to see the statue, and in an instant he said it was a fake. Another art historian took a glimpse and sensed that while it had the form of a proper classical statue, it somehow lacked the spirit. A third felt a wave of intuitive repulsion when he first laid eyes on it. Further investigation were made and finally the whole scheme unraveled. It transpired that the statue had been sculptured by forgers in Rome in the early 1980s while, while high on marijuana. <laughs> the, teams, <laughs> the teams of analysts who did 14 months of research turned out to be wrong and the rest is history. Here's my point. They asked the question, all these years of research and all these months of research and all these experts in research and then you've got historians that come along and in a, in, a, in a moment, in a glare, is able to determine that it was fake. And they said the difference between the historians and the researchers was one thing, instinct. Instinct. Say this after me, instinct. If there's one thing that mothers and women in general are blessed with, it is instinct. Instinct. And if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Divine Instinct. Now, this is not a Mother's Day message, but yes, we'll be highlighting a lot of women, a lot of characters. But how many of you know we all need instinct? It's not just uh, women are born with it, I guess, but men, we just learn it as we go. And so we, we as men, we need more of that. And so I'm calling this message divine instinct. It's the same instinct that a mother has when she knows she's pregnant, even before she sees the doctor. It's the same instinct a mother has when they look at one friend and is able to know if that's going to be a good one or a bad one. And as we read the story from Exodus chapter 2, there are a couple of characters. There are actually three characters. There's the, the mother, the sister, and the princess. All of them divinely, distinctively placed in the storyline so that God can raise the Savior of one of a kind in that generation. That's going to take them from centuries of slavery called Moses. So this morning, it's going to feel a bit like Bible study. You know, usually I sort of get something from here and something from there and something from here and something from there. And I can see Maddie is in the room and Maddie was not on the platform. So Maddie, why don't you quickly jump up here? Come on up here. So good. So good. Come on, come on, come on. Let's have some girl power. So good. Why don't we give her a hand? Good to see you, Maddie. How are you? How was Dampo Camp? Great. What happened at camp? Um, a lot. <laughs> what, for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I spoke in tongues for the first time. Uh, my shoulder was healed. After, after how many years have you had an issue with your shoulder? Eight. And last but not least? Uh, oh, I accepted Jesus. So good. Come on. Why don't we give her a hand? Thank you so much. So good. So good. Isn't that amazing? Anyways, Exodus chapter 2, 
three women. And, and, and this feels like a little of a Bible study, if that's okay. So we're just having a little devotion. Just imagine yourself. You're at my place. Leah seems to be inviting everybody at the moment. So you're at my home. We just grabbed a cup of coffee. And uh, it's, a, it's a long black for me. It's whatever you want. It's a chai latte, which is a fake version of coffee. It, maybe that's what you're sipping. Uh, but, but we're just having this Bible study. Is that cool? Let's put up verse 1. It says, about this time. About this time. What time? What was happening in Exodus chapter 2? Let me tell you what was happening in Exodus chapter 2. Because in Exodus chapter 1, what happened was the Israelites had moved across to a nation called Egypt. And the reason they moved across to a nation called Egypt was because uh, God was uh, blessing the, the Egyptians and God was also using the Israelites to bless the Egyptians. So it was a great partnership. It was almost like these guys were intuitive and, and it was a divine relationship. But what began to happen was because God's hand was upon the Israelites, they began to be blessed. And so the, the, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, he gets jealous and he's just like, we got to stop this thing. we got to stop this thing. And he sort of gives them the bad jobs and sort of makes it hard for them to get to school and makes it difficult for them to go to university and all sorts of things. And, and then still, God still bless them. Whatever their hands touch, the Bible said, would prosper. And so then he says, let's make it difficult. Let's not let them live here. Let's give them the worst of the land. Let's give them the, the less, you know, property, the less fruitful farm. And, but still, God's hand was still on them. Finally, it reaches to a point where he says, I know what the problem is. It's the men. And so he says, every baby that's born, let's get rid of them. But little did he forget the source of where a baby is born, where a man comes from. And so the Bible goes on to say that there was a spirit of abortion, literally, that was out there rampant, destroying every male child. And so I want you to understand that when we read this text about this time, that is the time where if you're an Israelite and if you're having a baby and if it's a boy, you are in danger. And it goes on to say, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. I mean, I wonder if in our generation, if this situation was happening, I wonder if some of us would even consider the act of marriage just because it's like, why bother being married? I mean, relationship and intimacy and birthing of babies was all frowned upon and, you know, you're in danger but what I love about this text is it says regardless of the time, regardless of the persecution, regardless of the oppression, regardless of that spirit that was out there to destroy, regardless of the destruction that was out there, that they lived on. And I feel like I want to take a moment to say this to somebody because I feel we're living in crazy times. But regardless of how crazy the times are, I want to say to somebody today, live on. You got to still live on. I mean, people nowadays like I want to do uni, but COVID. So what? I wanted to start that business, but COVID. I, I wanted to get married, but COVID. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to do that. I wanted to buy that house, but COVID. Now, I understand those circumstances are real, but God's hand is on you. Let nothing stop you. Let no disease, let no legislation, let nothing stop what God has for you. I want to I be in church, but COVID. I mean, sometimes we can, we can blame the time. What, what I love about the story is about this time, regardless of the time, regardless of the time that we're living in, regardless of the circumstances we're living in, when God's promises are on you, when God's hand is on you, I love that His promises are yes and amen, that life must still go on. What are the areas that you've stopped living because of the circumstances that are outside of your control? 
What are the areas where like, oh, I'll do it one day when, I'll do one day if. But what are the, what are the areas, church, that we have stopped living because of something that maybe not necessarily in your control, it's out of your control, but let, don't let that hold you back because here's the thing, when you have divine instinct, there's something in you that says, I know there are restrictions, I know there are limitations, I know there are things coming in the way, but it does not matter because if God is with me, who can be against me? Let's keep reading. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant. Now we know the forum. We know the context. Now we're beginning to understand that, that it's not good news, the fact that she had a baby and the fact that the baby was a boy. We, are we on the same track here? The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she saw that he was a special baby. As I was reading this text, the next word that stood out to me was special. Now we know every mother thinks their child is special. We're not going to judge anybody, but every mother thinks and every child is special. We know that. But for whatever reason, the author takes time to write these words that she calls it special. What is so special about this baby? Every mother sees their child to be special. But this morning, I don't want you to see just the baby as special because I believe God has put something of divine nature in all of us. And he's empowered all of us to carry something. For a mom, it might be a baby, but for somebody else, it might be a business. For somebody else, it might be a degree. For somebody else, it might be a ministry. For somebody else, it might be just something that is on you that is special. See, specialty doesn't begin by others identifying your specialty. Specialty begins by you recognizing what is within. Oh man, this is so good. Specialty is not by people putting, it's not when Instagram puts a tick on your profile that you recognize that you're special specialty begins from within it's it's this recognition before anybody told her that this baby was special she knew that this was special and i want you to think about that it might be a dream that you have and another if you if another paraphrase title for the sermon would be a journey of a dream a journey of a dream because you got to understand that you've got to understand what you are about to bring is special before anybody calls it special see we think what we have is special only when the world recognizes we think it's special only when the world around us affirms us. If I get 15 likes, then I'm special. If they, if, they, if they call me two times, then I'm special. No, this lady had this understanding. This lady had this divine instinct. This lady, as the Bible calls it, had this revelation that this baby was special. It was not just the fact that it was her baby, but just she recognized there was something special about it. What is it in your world that you're treating casual that God calls special? Special. Special. Something special about this baby, something special about that vision, something special about that dream, something special about that business, something special about that church, something special about that relationship. What is that thing that is special? See, it's dangerous and it's risky to identify things that are special when no one else calls it special. In fact, it's, it's more dangerous when it's frowned upon, when there's legislation out there to destroy it, when there's rules and boundaries that, that says that cannot happen. If, if anything, she would be trying to protect this thing, but there was something in her that recognized that this was special. What is it in our world that we need to put a new set of, of uh, spectacles to recognize the specialty that God is birthing within? And so now we have this lady who's living in tension where it says, and I want you to look at the tension in the scripture. It says he was a special baby 
and kept him hidden. Wait a minute. YouTube tells me, broadcast yourself. If anything, my culture tells me, if you've got something special, show it to the world. I want you to imagine this lady was working 14 hours, 16 hours, taking care of this special baby and could not post it anywhere. There was no mother's forum that she could go on. There was no North Lakes community group where you could put the nappy picture and say, is this okay? <laughs> is this all right? It's colored purple today. I'm not sure what is going on. There was no forum for any of that to happen. She had to secretly take care of this special gift. I want you to recognize that there was no rewarding. There was no crowd of witnesses. There was no cloud of witnesses. There was no iCloud of witnesses applauding what she was doing. There was never a day when she could say, nappy changing is happening. Hashtag mega poo. <laughs> there was none of that. And mother's going up, me too, me too, girl. Hang a message to me too. There was none of that. Can you imagine handling something so special, but yet so hidden, where nobody knew that she had this baby? And that's what divine instinct is. Divine instinct recognizes the time and the season. Because see, she understood that this baby was special. But she also understood that the baby was sacred. She understood that the baby was special. But she also understood that in this season, the baby needed to be secluded. She understood that the baby was exceptional. But she also understood that in this time, he needed to become exclusive. You know, the best things, the greatest thing God does in you is not the things you post on Instagram. It's the things that you can never post. It's a thing you can never post. I remember learning this the, the hard way. I remember, I think it was 1920, and I was with a bunch of teenagers, and we had this, we to do this thing where we'd go into coffee shops, and we'd, uh, we'd just share and talk about the word and things like that. I remember a couple of, couple of weeks later, they were meeting up, and they were already buzzing about some things that I'd shared from the Bible. That's what we did when we were, uh, you know, young adults. We got together and, and just spoke the word, just spoke about scriptures, and I remember I, there was this thing that God was sharing with me from the book of Genesis and from the book of Hebrews. And, but it was still brewing inside of me. And I remember sitting in this, in this shop, in this cafe, and I started, and they were almost like, Alwyn, what you shared last time, it fed my soul. It fed my, so I began to feel the pressure here. And so I'm like, oh, there's this thing that recently or just yesterday or the day before, I've been sensing in my heart and, and, and I, I felt like, hey, you know what? The Bible says given it should be given to you. So I just started sharing and sharing. But as I was sharing, I felt something off about it. Something off of, they going, wow, boom, wow, ooh, that's great, that's great. Let me write that down. Let me post that somewhere. Let me open my notepad and type it down. Let, you know, all that sort of happening. And when they left, for, for some reason, I felt empty. And I felt literally like God telling me, is there anything else you want to share? See, sometimes we've got to be careful in the pursuit of being received that we share everything that God is still working within. And we've got to understand this because sometimes we can confuse authentic with premature. Authentic, I'm just being authentic. Don't be premature. 
because that is something God is doing inside of you. That is something God is raising within. That is something God is carrying on the inside. The greatest, the biggest treasure we will protect, the biggest treasure we will hold close. That's not saying I'm not being authentic. That's not saying I'm hiding away. That's not saying I'm being hideous in any way, in any form. But you've got to understand there are some things that God is still working on. And what I love about the tension of this text is there's a special baby kept hidden, unique, but nobody knew about it, special yet hidden. And I want you to know that there's a dream within you. There's a vision within you. There's a purpose within you. And it may be special, but it may be underdeveloped. It may be an embryonic form and it may be premature. You want to share to the whole world about it, but now isn't maybe the time. Let's pray that we become that church that carries divine instinct that will choose not to broadcast everything out there. But yes, we will tell the world of what God has done and tell the world of what he's doing and things like that. But there are some things we just hold on to for the right place for God to do his thing. I'm reminded of Mary. Do you guys know who Mary is? Mary, the mother of Jesus. If there was one person who could brag about the fact that she was carrying heaven in her womb, it would be her. But check out what it says in Luke chapter 2 verse 19. After the world said she was carrying the Messiah. For Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. But that's not the way I process, Pastor Elwin. I externalize everything. I tell every, really? Or is it just you looking for validation? The men are clapping. <laughs> I know I'm preaching good when the men are clapping. I know it's falling in good soil when the men are responding. Mary treasured, if there was one person who could brag about, I'm carrying heaven in my womb. I'm carrying Jesus. I'm carrying Messiah. I'm carrying the Savior of the world. But it says she treasured these things. Friend, there is no problem in us treasuring in the intimacy with God, pondering, allowing those imaginations to grow. The word of this year, hope and imagination, allowing that to grow. But it does not mean we need to squander that. It does not mean we need to broadcast that. It does not mean we need to spill all that because God will bring it to pass. It's going to say, verse 2, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Check it out, verse, verse 3. But when she could know longer hide him man we can preach all day just about this when she could no longer hide him church can i say to you there will be a time when you can no longer hide <laughs> there will be a time when you're trying to hide it but 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 it's going to come after you there will be a time when it's so obvious that it's there there will be a time i remember when i was starting downport church and 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 there was a bit of negative stuff coming my way. It wasn't too much. It was all positive. And I called the pastor and said, hey, look, I'm just not sure about the timing. I'm hearing all this sort of stuff. And he said, Alvin, you're one year too late. In other words, he was saying, it was always on you. I saw it a year ago. You cannot hide from this thing. You cannot run away from this. It could be that dream. It could be that vision. It could be that opportunity. But if you hold on to it, if you feed it, if you protect it, if you nurture it, if you invest into it, you can hide it for a life. But I'm here to tell somebody in this place that you're about to enter a season where you can no longer hide from it. You can no longer run away from it. That God, when he puts his hand on it, it may be frustrating. 
It may be a change of season. It's like, I'm just trying to stop this thing here. God, what are you doing? I can't handle all these clients. I can't handle what's coming my way. But when God puts his hand on it, can I say to you, you be ready for what God is about to do. Let's have divine instinct for what God has set before us. You can hide it for a while. And it may stay undiscovered. But at some point, we've got to step out. At some point, we've got to go further. Have you ever tried to extend a season longer than it should have been? Like this lady, I'm sure by the time it reached the three months mark, I liked you when you were not screaming. I liked you, Moses, when you weren't yelling. See, she was complaining, but what she got to realize is that he needed to go through that process to be the child, to be the man that God called him to be. What are we complaining about? Because there's a change in season, but it's time for us to grow up. Have you ever been in a place where you have tried to extend a season longer than it should be? I remember for, it was for me being really candid this morning, a couple of years back, probably 12 years now, uh, where I was in a situation, in an environment where I definitely outgrown it. And I'm not saying this is arrogance. I'm not saying this is pride. Uh, it was all humility. I was just there. And I knew it. People spoke to me. Leaders that I look up to spoke to me. I felt God speaking to me. But, but it, it seemed like God wasn't opening the door. So I knew I'd, I'd grown that situation and I needed to step into something. But I was like, God, when you open that door, then I'll step into it. And I remember there was this moment where I was praying. I was like, God, open the door. God, open the door. God, open the door. And then literally God said to me, do you really believe in yourself? Because it was not about God believing in me. It was actually me believing in what God called me to be. And, and I had to take a step of faith. I had to have some conversations of, this is what I'm sensing. This is what I'm feeling. What's next? I'm not really sure. But we're just going to step out into this thing. And let me tell you, the hand of God was all on it. Could it be that maybe the things that we're complaining about, a season that we're trying to extend, is really an invitation from heaven for you to step into something new? Yes, you've got a crying baby. Yes, it's got dirty nappies. Yes, it seems a bit messy. Yes, it changed. It, the situation has changed from three months ago. But could it be that God has allowed this thing, this dream, this vision to grow to a place that it shakes your environment it shakes your atmosphere for you to step in to see the promises of God I, I think about if I can be honest I think about our building some of you know we were meeting on discovery drive and just FYI we are not meeting on discovery drive we don't actually have a building there anymore if you stay long enough, maybe you will sort of have an understanding in the few weeks, in the few months of where, what God is doing. But can I say to you, I think that building left us 18 months ago, but we never left it. Because you just got people that are like, but what if? And, but, but we're storing all that stuff there. Yeah, I know. Just store it in my house. Store it in your house. We, but what if this? And what if COVID? And what if Sister Susie sends a text to everybody? What if, what if that? No, it's sometimes it's the best thing you can do is step out. And I'm so excited that we're stepping out. I'm so excited. You know what I love? I love... Now, can I say our worship is not going to be this way for, forever. It's not going to be this way for, for even for the next three months. It's going to change. But I love this season because I feel like God is just shaking things out. See, when you're about to have this baby, things need to be moved. Things need to be shifted. Things need to be removed. Things need to be changed. And I love what the Lord is doing. And when you're stepping out, it feels a bit uncomfortable. But God is in it. When he can no longer hide. I want you to know the scariest place to be is when you can no longer hide it. But it's the most exciting place to be. 
Because when you can no longer hide it, that's when the miracle's around the corner. That's when breakthrough is just turned up on your driveway. It's when, it's when, it's no longer, I cannot hold on to this any longer. That's when God has stepped in to the moment. It says, when she could no longer hide it, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. I like what it says. She waterproofed it. Waterproof. I was almost going to call the sermon, Waterproof Your Dream. <laughs> we'll preach it another day. Waterproof Your Dream. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, Waterproof Your Dream. Don't let, don't let things come in. Waterproof Your Dream. In fact, you know this. This is, a popular, this is a popular saying that they say. It wasn't the water around the Titanic that made it sink. It was the water that got into the Titanic. Make sure you might be going through a storm. You might be going through gossip. You might be going through bitterness. You might be going through slander. You might be going through accusation. Let it be around you, but don't you dare let it get within. What a proof. What a proof that dream. What a proof that family. What a proof that relationship. Don't let a Google blog come in the way of telling you how to live your life, telling you how you live your relationship. What a proof that thing. What a proof that thing. What a proof that dream. There may be stuff that comes around you, but don't let, get, don't let that get within you. What a proof. Well, what stood out to me in the story was it says, she put the baby, the dream. I want you to see it not just as a baby. I want you to see it as a vision. I want you to see it as a promise. For some of you, it might be a miracle. For some of you, it might be a business. For some of you, it might be a family situation. For some of you, it might be a career. For some of you, it might be a ministry thing. But she puts this baby in a basket made of papyrus. Now, whenever I read scripture, I always ask the question, why do they leave the detail? Or why do they put so much detail? Because they could have just said, put the baby in a basket, right? We're going to have a great day. We're going to maybe pass the basket around. She put some apples and figs in it. We're going to have a great day in church. But, but the author goes into such description explaining the basket. And maybe you might be new in church, so I want to indulge you in this conversation because there's something in Scripture called symbolism. And symbolism is when God takes a natural situation and speaks a supernatural truth. Are you with me? Talk to me, church. When God takes a natural situation and in it puts a spiritual truth, it's because we, our mind is not, uh, is not like the mind of God. And so he uses natural. This is why Jesus spoke in parables. This is why Jesus used stories to speak a greater truth. And so all throughout the scripture, there's things that the Bible puts in there for us to dig deeper to understand a deeper truth. Are you with me? For example, the word rock in scripture is a lot of time used as Jesus. Jesus, the cornerstone. Jesus, the rock, uh, you know, on rock on which I stand. The word rock is constantly used. Leaf is, we know this even globally, is an international sign of peace, but that was first identified in the Bible when the dove came with a leaf, with an olive branch to Noah. So there's all these symbols in Bible. Are you with me? And so you've got to understand this. And as I was reading this text, I began to look at the fact that the basket was made of papyrus reeds. Now, do you know what papyrus is? If you don't know, history lesson. Papyrus was first discovered in Egypt, and they used it to write things on. In fact, the word papyrus comes from the word, the word paper comes from the word 
papyrus. There you go. You're like, mom, I'm just coming to make you happy. I'm going to cringe my way through church. But no, you're just walking away with like a point one increase in your IQ. Thank you very much. So <laughs> the, word, the word paper comes from the word papyrus. Are you with me? You use words to write on papyrus. And so here we've got this boy who's being laid into the river. Now we know the river. We know the streams. He leads me beside streams of living water. We know the river is symbolic to the Holy Spirit. Could it be that God was speaking to us today on Mother's Day and saying that the greatest way to release your dream is to let your dream rest on the Word led by the river. The Word led by my Spirit. My Spirit anointing my word. When was the last time you went into the word? When was the last time we got into the scripture and got a word from God? You might be going through crazy stuff. You might have heard everybody's opinion, including uh, that person that you really don't care what their opinion is, but you still ask them. But when was the last time we got into this book? When was the last time we got into this text and said, God, what is your word for my situation? What, what do you have to say about the situation? It might be one scripture. It might be one. You know, so many times I've read the Bible over and over. But recently I've read scriptures that I've read for 20 years. And all of a sudden it comes awakened. It comes alive. It's like the papyrus is speaking to me. It's like the stream is calling me out. And, and, and I want you to live in this tension knowing that you feel like the, f the dream is so far away, but as long as you have a promise to hold it, the baby may be out of your grip, but as long as the word is carrying it into the river where God is leading it, it's still all good. It's still all good. And I want you to notice, again, here's another tension. We've been talking about tensions all through the scripture. We're just having a Bible study this morning. Tensions. And then it says, the baby sister, verse 4, then stood at a distance. Here's where I feel a lot of us are. A lot of us feel like we are distant from the dream. We are distant from the vision. We are distant from the plan. But can I say to you, your breakthrough is closer than you think. It may feel far, but it is closer. In fact, the baby, she thought when she sent the baby away, she was sending it into crocodile land. She was sending it into dangerous territory. And some of you are holding on tight to that promise. No, God said to me, this would be my ministry. God said to me, this is where I need to be rostered. God said to me, this is where I need to serve. God said to me, this is where my business. That is the biggest danger you can do. You're aborting this thing when God is saying, let go. Put it upon that word. Put it upon that promise. I know it seems far. I know it seems distant, but I will guide it with my right hand. I will guide it and I will never leave it out. Even if you can't reach to it, I'm beside it. Are you with me? If you believe that, why don't we thank God for his assurance, for his comfort, for him leading us even when it feels distant. It feels distant. It feels distant. Some of you are like 2021. Hope and imagination. Pastor, I've been imagining. I've been hoping. Now it feels like I'm hopping. Now I'm having a cough. It's like, what is happening, God? Can I say to you, when it feels distant, it is closer than you think. It is closer. I feel like I'm prophesying. I know it's Mother's Day and I need to be in character. I need to be all nice and happy Mother's Day, everybody. Have, no, but I just feel like I'm, I'm on a prophesy into somebody's situation because I believe there are people here that feel far away, that feel distant, that feel like the dream is gone. But can I say to you, if God has put it in you, no man can take it away from you. No man. 
No man, no authority, nothing can take it away. Let's keep reading. Soon, this seems like a Disney movie right here. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe. Can you think about that? She's just on a normal day. The, the Pharaoh is the king, the, the, the emperor of Egypt. The emperor's daughter is going to have, I just feel like having a bath. I just feel like having a bath in River Nile. And her attendants walked along the river back when the princess saw the basket among the reeds. She sent her maid to get her for, it, for her. When the princess opens it, she sees the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry. The same crying, the same whining, the same tears that drove Moses out of the care of his mother was the same tears, was the same crying that drew the heart of the mother to care for the child. What are you complaining about which will be literally a clarion call for all of heaven to come and touch your situation in Jesus' name? This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached. Think about this. This is like, this is the perfect movie. The baby sister should I go and find one of the, should I randomly, I just seem to know someone who is right now in a mothering phase to nurse this baby for you. And she replies, yes, do that. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take the baby and nurse him for me. The prince, this is every mother's dream right now. Thank God for Centrelink. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. <laughs> I want to take a moment to talk to every mom. No one's maybe paid you for your sacrifice. No one's ever been there for you for what you've done. But I want you to know that heaven sees every sacrifice. Heaven sees your faithfulness. I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of that child. Taking care of that promise. Taking care of that dream. If I can get the worship team up, that would be amazing. But I want to take a moment to talk to everybody else in this place where you've had a dream and you've had a vision and you've had a promise and you're like, it seems far. It seems like it's not going to happen. In fact, you feel like it's distant now. But could it be that God is orchestrating someone on behalf of you to finance, to bless, to touch, to redeem, to invest, to pour into that vision? Could it be that this is the step of faith you need to take? Do we need a people that say, I need divine instinct, divine instinct to be led by God, to be led by His Spirit? Denver Church, I've gone all over the place this morning because I feel there's different situations, different circumstances that I believe that God wanted to touch and God wants to speak into. But I just want to encourage you this morning that the dream is not dead. The only person, here's what you've got to realize. Moses' mother had a choice. She had a choice to destroy that baby. Just like you have a choice to destroy that dream. To bury that dream. To put away that dream. But sometimes the dreams, the vision, the purpose, the callings of God are not always on the amazing path. Sometimes it goes through Rocky Road. Sometimes it goes through Crocodile River. But as long as there's a world, as long as there's a word from God that holds it, as long as the Spirit is leading it, I want you to know God has got it. It's not too far. It is close. It may feel distant, but it is near. 